and welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game. I'm Harry and this is episode 23 from uh, a, a lockdown-stricken world. Um, lockdown restrictions are easing across the world so hopefully toy soldiers will be back on the table very very soon but i thought uh, it's been a long enough uh, gap between episodes 22 and 23 so i thought i'd do another isolation uh, podcast for you and um, so no tournaments i'm afraid for this episode Usually, of course, if you're joining us for the first time uh, here on the podcast uh, for a new episode, uh, then sadly uh, we're not going to tournaments as we usually do. Usually I'll head off to a tournament, uh, take you along with me for the ride, uh, play some people, play some games of uh, Lord of the Rings SBG, and hopefully we'll uh, we'll have a good time. But uh, we'll have a good time, or we'll try and have a good time uh, here today, but alas, uh, not in the same way as usual. So uh, I'm going to be doing a little similar to last uh, uh, the last episode, episode 22, where we had a run through some uh, uh, some uh, sort of old games, so hopefully you get the sense of a tournament um, and another game. Uh, so it might might feel like a bit of a rerun, but there will be new material as well. Uh, we've got Riddles in the Dark later as well. Uh, also, I'll be writing a bit of an army list for you to uh, take your 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 take a swing at. Uh, if I'm honest, uh, I'm going to get a sample of what you think about uh, the army. Um, and also just have a little bit of a chat about what I've been doing. So first of all, let's do that. So it has been a long time. It's been a month. Um, and I know that that depending on uh, your roles and your, your life generally, um, you might have been uh, on lockdown. You might have been furloughed. You might have been uh, working from home and had a lot more time to uh, paint toy soldiers. That might have had more time to write army lists and uh, indulge in buying models and uh, working through the backlog. So... Um, and of course, if not, uh, if you're a, a key worker or an essential worker, you might not be allowed holiday if you've been working in the NHS or anywhere else like that. I know they've suspended holiday leave, so you might have had even less time than you would usually do to dedicate to the hobby. So hopefully this uh, this finds you well, uh, this finds you at work, this finds you happy and healthy, um, and that this finds you um, eager for a bit uh, more of an indulgence of a bit of escapism. So that's what I'm here for. Um, so the, today's episode, um, I'm going to catch up on a few different things and mainly uh, start thinking about my next project. So uh, when you last heard from me, I was working on a Kirith Ungle army. Um, I gave a sample of an army list and we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, but also I've been building a Kirith Ungle um, scenery piece, I suppose, um, designed for lockdown uh, games and designed for any kind of games, really, uh, and to display my army that I've been working on. Um, I had originally intended it to be uh, taken to uh, Seven Stones, the uh, the tournament, a uh, doubles tournament that usually would happen at the end of May. Sadly, that's, of course, not happening at the moment, so no chance to go to uh, that and take a Kirithungal army. Um, and it, hopefully the army would have uh, seen battle at various other places, including the Battle of Bywartal, uh, Bywall or something like that, uh, which uh, hopefully will happen eventually. But uh, either way, um, I've had a great time building in isolation. For, certainly for the first few weeks, I uh, I indulged in building a massive scenery piece, which is great. Um, you can see the uh, the produce of my labour on uh, on my uh, Battle Games in Middle Earth uh, YouTube channel. So check that out if you haven't already seen it. Um, but I've oh, I've been building and painting a lot of Kirith Ungle, and then 
once I did that, I hoped to get onto my Easterling army, which, uh, again, more on that later. Um, but I've just, I've built them, I've, I've started working on them, I'm starting to um, think about conversions and do some special stuff with them. In particular, I had an idea, I, um, I wanted to do some um, conversions for weapon swaps um, using press-moulded pikes um, turned into axes. Um, or um, someone who uh, 3D prints some uh, some sort of weapons uh, that might be able to print some bits for me. Uh, I haven't been able to get hold of them, so I've been kind of experimenting with some uh, weapon swaps. I, 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 I've, I've long thought that um, Easterling horse um, cataphracts should have axes, or Easterlings generally should have axes, really. Um, and then when uh, I heard the, the podcast from the Green Dragon chaps... Um, talking about it uh, Jeremy and uh, Matt talking about the uh, the Green Dragon um, styly uh, paying a point to upgrade a cataphract is a really good idea they suggest with an axe and it's made me think actually okay if they, those guys think it's a good idea then maybe I'll do that so um, I'm thinking about that uh, I haven't quite got around to it yet but it means I haven't painted my Easterling army that's been sat on my table for a long time I've actually um, uh, bless my heresy I've been painting some space marines for the first time in God, it must be years now. Um, I think the last time I painted a space moon was sometime around the end of university, which would have been five... No, six, seven, seven? God, is it seven years ago yet? No, it can't be that much. Well, it'd be around six years ago anyway, so five, six years ago. So uh, it's been a long time. I haven't painted any um, sci-fi 40k for a, a few years. So, And I found a sprue when I last visited my mother's house. Um, she said, uh, when she moved house a while back, and she said to me, "Look, I've I've got a, I've got some Warhammer um, in a box somewhere that uh, I moved from the old house to to the new house. I'll get you it from the box at some point." And she said this years ago when she moved. I mean, she's been moved in about a year. And she's only just getting to to unpacking the last of the boxes. She's just a bit lazy. Um, but uh, she sent the. Uh, she said, "Oh, it's there." And it took ages for her to send this. And I kept thinking, "Oh, I wonder what this is," and then forgetting about it. And then she'd mention it again, saying, "Oh, yeah, I must send you that thing." She said, "It. Oh, it's it's in a it's in a jiffy bag. Oh, I must send you that thing. I must send you it." And I kept thinking, "Oh, well, I wonder what it is," and then forgetting about it. And then uh, keep forgetting about it. And then eventually, uh, it was handed over. It was sent to me. And I was, I said, "Oh, well, okay." Uh, she said, "Oh, it's in the post." And I, she didn't know what it was. She just said, "Oh, it's it's some plastic frames." I said, yes, mum, they're sprues. And um, so that's arrived in the post, and it turned out to be five plain Space Marine Tactical Marines. And I was like, oh, okay, of all the things it could have been, that's probably the least exciting. It's not anything Lord of the Ringsy. It's nothing, uh, you know, even not, not even like a Devastator squad, if that means anything to you. It's not heavy weapons, and it was nothing exciting. So I kind of left it on the side of the shelf for a while and forgot about it again. And then once I'd finished this Kirith Ungle army... And was in lockdown, and I, I was just thinking, oh, you know what? I don't need to paint my armies. I don't need to rush into painting an army for a tournament, um, which is what I usually do. So I was thinking, oh, I'm going to paint my Eastling army, which I had intended on taking to a tournament in June, or maybe the end of uh, May, uh, depending on when the next tournament was. And then I thought, well, I don't need to, because uh, tournaments are uh, postponed for the time being. Uh, It's going to be probably at least July before there's a chance for another tournament, which means podcasts will be limited until then. And I I decided, well, you know what, I don't need to rush it, so I'm going to paint these space marines. I'm going to cleanse my palette. I'd been painting a lot of orcs, uh, a lot of darkness, uh, a lot of dark orcs, and I thought, well, you know what, I wanted to do something colourful. So I decided to paint five space marines in different colours, red, blue, green, purple and yellow 
and I thought that would be fun. So post it. if you want to see um, on my Instagram on uh, Battle Games in Middle Earth on Instagram, check it out. Uh, if you fancy a look and see what I did, I converted them a bit and gave them sniper weapons and stuff that I had in my bits box from back when I used to play 40k. So I've been indulging in that a little, I must say, and uh, I've enjoyed it. It's been a nice palate cleanser. But having said that, five Space Marines in. Uh, and it took two, a week and a bit to do them. I spent a whole, you know, evening or two on each model, so I, you know, I feel like I've done a decent job. Uh, after I did all those, I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm fed up. I'm fed up. I don't want to paint any more power armor. I haven't got any more any any way to paint. So I started looking at those Easterlings again and thinking, right, let's let's get this sorted. I'm going to get this army built. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I've, I've I've got a nice painting strategy for them. I once built a cool army. Um, for a, a Sterling a couple of years ago when I went up to Scotland uh, for the first time to play uh, in the uh, tournament in Sterling. Um, great, great tournament that was. Great fun. I took um, Amder and a Dragon Knight along with a... Uh, what's the Ringwraith guy? Kamul on a fell beast and uh, a Candish King on a chariot and I think a, a Candish Chieftain or two on chariot. I forget how many exactly I had. Um, it was around 800 points. So do the maths. Uh, start with those four heroes and add as many Candice Chieftains as you can. And it was pretty much... Um, it was it was just great, great fun. I loved playing with the ch- uh, Chariots and I loved playing with Amda and Kamal. And I kind of wanted to do it again. Um, so I pretty much straight after that tournament bought two plastic boxes, uh, two boxes of the Cataphracts and a box or so of um, plastic Eastling Warriors, and then basically was like, right, I'm going to do these next, and then whatever the next project took over pretty quickly. So um, that's where I was, and I think I was probably by around just before I started doing the podcast, it would have been that I was planning on doing this, and then the podcast probably took over slightly and uh, and uh, moved that to the back of the queue somehow. Um, so anyway, months later, go to um, the tournament uh, not so long ago, the Masters tournament, um, which will be a couple of episodes back, and uh, playing alongside Ed Ball and uh, had a great time with that tournament. And um, there were some metal Easterling pikes for sale in the shop at Seven City Collectibles, which is a great shop. Uh, check it out online. They're doing deliveries. I've had some more deliveries since then of uh, stuff from Barney and the team. And I, uh, I saw these couple of blister packs of of metal um, pikes and I thought ah that would be really useful because the Easterling box set doesn't have very many pikes in it uh, it's only got like four stupidly or something I think it, I can't remember exactly the number it's, it's not got very many pikes stupid number of pikes and loads of bows and loads of swords and these blister packs there were two of them and I already knew I had some metal um, pikes and I got them thinking right now I can finally build a proper Easterling army and now it's on the painting table I'm ready to build it so that is the progress. It's all, all been assembled. I've even converted some old captains, because, I mean, how many Easterling captains realistically do you need? But they seem to be ten a penny, the uh, Easterling captains that were in the Battle Games in Middle-Earth magazine at one point, I think. So that's probably why. Um, so I've got uh, one of them. I've converted, lengthened up his 
pike, turned it into something else. I've converted another Dragon Knight based on the the drummer model from one of the Cataphract box sets. So I've got um, an, an extra Dragon Knight that looks a little bit different to the Finecast one, which is cool. Converted another model, a bow, I think, uh, an archery uh, archer model into the foot version of the Dragon Knight. So generally, a lot of converting, a lot of all that sort of stuff. And then um, I haven't quite got around to spraying them and painting them yet, but I do have some red spray paint. So I'm going to do them in the traditional golden red, which looks gorgeous. I can't wait for that. So I got, it got me thinking, how do I build my army? And the reason I bought them in the first instance, because I liked Amdo and the Dragon Knight, and I liked the cavalry. So that's what my army is going to be. So it's time to build an army for Easterling, or the Eastern regions. Rune. Let's build an army. Build me an army worthy of all right then, we're building an army for Easterlings, and uh, as I've mentioned uh, in the previous podcast, we did a a little bit of a kind of, well, I'd say it's a, a, almost a, a, a general reaction to the army list. Now, you may remember my Kirith Ungle army from last time. I made an army uh, for Sir Kirith Ungle, and I asked you for your comments, and I said that there was a poll on Facebook, and guess what? I put up a poll on Facebook, um, and I, I gave you the options of, is it a Sirith Ungold army, or is it a Sirith Uncold army? Uh, so I'll just uh, just quickly summarise that list uh, in case you've forgotten, um, or, or you haven't listened to the podcast at all. Um, the army list I was asking you for your opinions on, whether it was good or bad, was Shagrat with 10 Mordor Urukai with shield, Gorbag with a shield, uh, Mordor Orcs, oh, because Shagrat has the, the shield and armour and the, the fancy fancy shield thing that knocks people down uh, Gorbag with 10 Mordor Orcs with spears, uh, one Orc with a banner and a spear, Shelob, a ring wraith with 2 might, 8 will and 0 fate, and 6 Mordor Urukai with shield, and 6 trackers for 600 points, 37 models and it seems, apparently uh, that was, you know a good-ish um, army, I was I was quite surprised and uh, so a few people have um, commented on the Facebook status saying I uh, really like the uh, the list. It's pretty cool. Um, uh, it sounds really cool. Um, the one person, so who's this? Ryan uh, Rainey or Rainey Mickler, uh saying, um, I, uh, I've never used Gorbag myself, so I don't know how well he performs, but Shelob and Shagrat are amazing. I think you'd struggle against shooty armies, like you mentioned. In the UK scene, you always have your will champions and Ed balls to play against. It's very true. Um, uh, and uh, I, so I'm glad uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad he commented, but he's, he voted cold because he thought that was the God, good option because uh, he thought it was cool. So there we go. Thanks very much, uh, Rain. Um, next, uh, Dave Sweeting says he likes the list a lot. It's got enough strength to win games and has great theme and looks fun. Sheila can do all sorts. She hasn't run away for him in any games uh, due to the amount of will she has, apart from the very first game when he didn't know that you could still use will for courage. Lol. Uh, so uh, <laughs> thanks, Dave, for your comments there. Uh, much appreciated. And you, I think you voted cool, so that's good. Um, Chris Cousins voted it a cr- pretty strong list. She's, uh, he says uh, uh, Shelob is really good with a cheeky compel Gorbag is one of the best orc captains and a good number uh, of might um, and good numbers and good number of might Warrior Mix is where I think it's clearly not optimal but not by so much that it can't do well he's thinking 10th or 12th at a 30 player tournament and I did ask how would you optimize that list and Chris has said Moranon's her best point for point option 
but uh, and also uh, black Numenorians. But going for theme, uh, he's thinking you've done well. Um, but you could, he says, you could add um, bows to the Mordor Urukai, which is exactly what Jeremy from the uh, Green Dragon podcast has has said as well uh, in a message to me. Um, Andrew uh, Di Giorgio has got in touch. Twenty minutes into the show, uh, grateful for the podcast. Always a treat whenever a new episode lands. You say thank you very much, Andrew. Uh, love the first list on theme, and uh, he says in the Return of the King book, as the hobbits are running from Curvungal, a ring wraith on Felby's lands on its pinnacle whether to pick up the Hobbit prisoners or because the silent watchers at the gates alerted them. So the Wraith is extremely thematic, even more so uh, if it was on Felbeast. Watch, and that's quite interesting. So I could go for a Felbeast and actually uh, be relatively thematic. The trackers are introduced in the following chapter, I think, trying to sniff out the Hobbit's trail. Together, the list is like a what-if for uh, if the two orc companies hadn't had a falling out or if the hobbits had escaped on their own. Hobbit prisoners as objective markers would be brilliant. Um, I have exactly that. I've got the Hobbit orc models, uh, Frodo and Sam, as orcs, as objectives, and also the um, the Frodo in um, Shelob's web uh, tied up as, a, as an objective marker for the army. So, great. Andrew, thank you very much for reinforcing the theme of the army. It turns out that was a Sirith Ungold army list. Uh, so 64% of the uh, 14 votes um, said that it was a good army list. So that's great. So let's do the same again for this episode. I'll have to think of an annoying pun uh, for Easterling. Uh, is it going to be Easter ding or Easter dong? I don't know. Anyway, we'll, we'll work it out. But anyway, the army list is as follows. Now, I'm going to do a pure Easterling army list. And this would have been taken to... Uh, the tournament I was going to go to in Cardiff at some point in July, I think it is. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Either way, um, that was generally when I was aiming to have this done by. So it's uh, still a long way, a long way off um, before I actually get to uh, use this. And you never know, it might still happen. So here's the army list. It's going to be based around that theme of all cavalry. Start with Amder and a horse absolute must-have. Amdur is absolutely amazing. Um, I think there's a kind of a divide on people who think that Kamul should lead the army and Amdur should lead the army. I'm an Amdur man. I think Kamul is cool. I just think that his magic isn't good enough to actually warrant him um, being sort of having the magical powers and you, I think you kind of want to do more with his magic than, and then you end up being disappointed by it in the times that I, I've used him. You know, he's, I think he's only got 12 will and some the compels are on a four plus, uh, so or as it it might be five plus for the compel and four plus for the transfix. Either way, it's just not going to happen as often as I kind of think I want it to, and I'll end up spending too much will, or I certainly do. Maybe if you're better at managing will, you end up spending will on the right uh, exactly the right amount of will on the right time and all that sort of stuff. And you're brilliant at stuff like that. Me, not so much. I end up spending too much will on magic, and then not able to get him into combat as often as I'd really like him to. So so I think it's one of those ones where it's probably down to player uh, ability that I aren't, I, I'm not able to take advantage of what um, he's able to do. But still, I think it's not quite as good as the Witch King, so I'm always going to be disappointed by that. He's got the combat chops that he keeps the will, so yes, you want to throw him into combat and um, be able to do stuff like that. I just think, I don't know, I, I just think you, you can keep a will in a combat, great. And you can spend a will to up your fight value. I don't know how often you're going to be doing those things. Because then you're spending two, potentially two points of will per combat. That's six combats, and then that's not... And then you maybe throw another two points of will away and a compel, for, or three for maybe for a compel for, on a five plus. 
and then suddenly you've only you've got spent like you know half your will and you're thinking well christ i want to keep them a bit more careful now don't you so i don't know maybe maybe it's just too much um, indecision on my behalf maybe i'm not quite working out how uh, how to get the best of him but either way uh, a long-winded way of saying amder is my leader for this particular contingent given the horse there's no reason not to 15 points for an armored horse 145 points then uh, a dragon knight so uh, that's the next thing uh, dragon knight um absolute bargain 80 points with the armored horse um i mean if you don't know the the value of these guys then um absolutely check them out in the book because there's not a lot of option it's fair to say in the easterly easterling army list but what they do have a lot of is is three attack heroes that get their might back. And, I mean, what more could you want, <laughs> to be honest? I'm just leafing through now. I mean, uh, they've got... Both of them have got three attacks. Um, they've got defence six, um, plus the bonus for the... Um, uh, being on horseback in in, uh, in a shield wall type formation, which is just ace. Um, the, the strength four, I mean, it's not amazing, obviously, but that's great. Um, Amder has the Durtuz, the Elven Blade, so that's brilliant. He can declare a free heroic strike um, if the opponent declares a free heroic strike. They both get blood and glory, so they get points back, of points of might back if they kill an enemy hero. I mean... They're just awesome. Um, three attacks on a mounted character is great. And two points of might on the Dragon Knight. Obviously, it's a bit weaker because he's got no fate and things like that. But two wounds, no fate. It's a bit It's a bit of a glass, ham, uh, glass cannon, glass hammer, whatever you want to call it. But um, they're pretty cool. 80 points. 80 points on the Dragon Knight then. So that leaves me with, uh, I don't know, uh, I've spent 260 200 and something i don't know uh spent 250 or something like that anyway uh, 230 so um what do i want i've told you already it's an all-mounted army so at 550 points there's not a great deal of choice for what comes next but what i i'm gonna get definitely do is get 16 black dragon cataphracts uh, so that's 256 worth points worth of uh, cataphracts if i've done the maths right um so the Black Dragon upgrade, it gives them fight and courage for, making them 16 points per model. Oh, I mean, maybe I would do um, less, uh, a half and half or something like that normally, but the points just kind of works um, as this way around. So um, I've gone with that. So obviously six of those have to go in the Dragon Knight's uh, warband, and then 10 of them will go in the Am- Amder's warband. And then I've got a banner... Uh, on a normal cataphract and a wardroom on a normal cataphract as well which rounds it off to 549 points perfect for a 550 point tournament so uh, not perfect obviously one point below i just can't do the maths to get it fitting right i'm sure there's probably a way of um mixing and matching some cataphracts and working out the difference but i suppose they're two points each for an upgrade so maybe not but anyway uh, that's the thing and obviously i debated about the banner um, you, Amda does count as a banner, three inches uh, banner, and if you kill the enemy leader, it goes up to six inches, which is cool. But I don't know. I, I think with when you've got sixteen cavalry bases there, um, plus uh, uh, plus the uh, the heroes and the wardroom and the banner, you're not going to be able to get the benefit of that uh, one banner for Amda, are you? I mean, realistically, he's going to get two or three um, on each side, something like that if you're lucky. Um, so you want to get another banner. And with ca- cavalry, having two banners, and it's an extra point in the scenarios where you need it. So, yeah, okay. So that, that's what we've got. The wardroom is brilliant for the march, free march, essentially. Amna doesn't have march. So um, it's you've, the wardroom's just fab. It's just fab. You get them, get them there quicker. 
Um, no bows, obviously. Um, I don't think cataphracts can even have bows, but either way, yeah, you're going to want to have um, the war drum because it's a very cheap upgrade and it gives you so much mobility and so much um, effect. So I'd probably put that um, war drum uh, along with Amda so that you can mark if if you're on one of those annoying um, maelstrom of battle scenarios you can wardrum uh, the dragon knight to join amda um, without spending any of his might and uh, wardrum the amda to join the dragon knight without spending any might hopefully fingers crossed so that's the plan it's not a lot of models obviously uh, that's the old cavalry shebang i suppose it's 18 uh, troops and two heroes a bit low on might i suppose you've got five points of might with blood and glory hopefully that means a few extras but what do you think what do you think genuinely i mean all cavalry armies are difficult um so i i'm genuinely intrigued at what you think that is the number one list that i wanted to talk about the, the second list um I'm not, i don't usually do multiple lists but i thought i'd give you a give you a flavor of the second list this is what i'm working towards um uh, this is what the kind of the intermediary step while i'm painting up all of the um all of the 16 black, uh, black dragons and so on. And this is the, the list that I've, I've wanted to do. This is what inspired the army in the first instance. And this is going to be a Kandish um, East Dilling Alliance. So this is a Kandish king on a chariot. Of course, 125 points. Absolutely awesome. Love the Kandish chariots. I, I don't know why people don't play with them more. Um, I've used Kandish chariots a few times now. Um, mostly just Kandish kings and chiefs. Um, I did an all hero list with Kandish kings and chiefs. I mentioned the one earlier with, um, uh, without uh, the 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 Kamal and and the kind of the council of the east. I nicknamed it. Um, that's really cool. So just just try the chariots out. They're, obviously, they have downsides. They, they've got weird mobility issues where you, you've got to pivot them and all that sort of stuff. Um, and also, they can't go into terrain, so they're a bit of a pain in the ass that way. But they're awesome. Once they that Kandish king gets rolling. It's nasty. And you know what's best about it is the chariot is defence seven and has three wounds. And most of the time, two thirds of the time, you're hitting the chariot, not the man on top. So Kandish King on chariot is awesome. Next thing, chariot, 30 points. Troop on a chariot, not as good. I would usually go pretty much just for the um the, the, the heroes on chariots. But having a second chariot means you've just got that extra threat. You can you can people really can't deal with two chariots it's very worrying because yes they might target a lot of bows and whatever at the Kandish king who's very resilient with fate and uh, defense six on his uh, on his armor and the chariot next to it they'll be wanting to do something to deal with those otherwise you're going to have a lot of strength for impact hits uh, flying at you so that's the that's the first 155 or so points then we've got six candish horsemen now this is great because candish horsemen chariots and kings all have bows so we've already got eight bows uh, for 222 220 points which for an old cavalry list which this is going to be is 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 pretty good you need to have a bit of bit of sort of pull to encourage people to come at you i mean eight isn't loads um the chariot and the king can move and fire at full pelt which is great the candish horsemen are, i think they're only uh, they're only hit on fours which is not amazing um especially when you're moving of course so more often than not the, those six guys are gonna be hitting on fives but either way I'm, I'm i'm liking the fact that i've got that that many guys there so next um we've got the allied easterlings in this is the amda 
and the Dragon Knight again. So the same same guys. Um, eventually, I might work towards using my other Dragon Knight that I'm building. But uh, this is the exciting bit. I, I, this is what I've dreamed dreamed of for so many years. So many years. Um, well, maybe it is. God, it must be a year and a half now that I've been dream- uh, aiming to build this list. So finally, I've got to make it. Anyway, Amder and Dragon Knight for the 145 points and the 80 points, respectively. Then, um, much scribbling over my sheet uh, indicates that the army list um, says that I think I get 12, 12 of these bad boys. 12 of these bad boys, yes. So that's, that's, uh, that's pretty awesome. So you get 12 Black Dragon Cataphracts um, on top of... Uh, it, joining Amda and the Dragon Knight. So this is good. I'm liking this. Um, again, the maths works out that this is exactly 650 points, which again is a, a would have worked out perfectly for going to Winchester uh, for the Tournament of Kings in uh, August, I think it is. Again, uh, TBC. We'll see. Um, so th- I'm, I'm quite looking forward to this. Um, obviously there are downsides no banner no drum either and the maths just didn't make it work i and i think i'd lose too many numbers um already at 650 points i've only got 21 models so i've actually got not that many more than um uh, than the 550 points list um obviously i've added a hero and a chariot to it so they've got a bit more hitting power but still no banner and no um drum means that it's not going to be easy but my my logic behind this was the banner I think it is a loss. Let's be honest. It's a, it's a, it's a tricky one. Um, um, the maths didn't help me, but it just seemed to work out this way. But um, I could do with a banner. But Amder is a banner, and so is the Chariot King. Um, obviously, Amder's banner doesn't affect the Candish, and the Chariot King doesn't affect Amder and the Easterling. But you've got two banner effects in there, so hopefully that means you can focus your your re-rolls in the right place. The Chariot King's six-inch banner, so that's good. So that should cover all of the uh, Candish pretty much all the time. The Amdo one, obviously, you can focus it in the way you want to do. Make sure the Dragon Knight and the few uh, Cataphracts have it. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, obviously, you'd suffer in the, the scenarios where you get a point for keeping a banner alive. But we'll we'll skirt over that uh, slight issue. Let's just hope that we kill less, because this is what this army's going to be good at, is just targeting and ploughing through lines and uh, getting targets like banners in a chariot charge and things like that and the 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 reason i didn't go with the drum um again mathematically it was it felt too difficult for me i'm not very good at the maths i've been scribbling on this page for donkeys just to try and work out what can fit in um but i figured that if if i had a drum how often would i use it realistically the drum only affects the Easterling, so it only affects two-thirds of the list. And that's an awkward number to be affecting at once, because I don't want two-thirds of the list to launch forward and be hanging around for um, bow-laden um, troops, the rest of the th- third of the army. So it just feels like it's not particularly worth it, because um, I can move the Black Dragons into position, I guess, and sort of start flanking around and things like that. But... If I wanted, to, if I did it, I'd probably want to divide them up in some way so that one half goes one side, one half goes the other side, meet in the middle with a chariot or two, ploughing into the middle line. But you can only do that with one, with two drums. So it just, it just felt like I don't know whether I'll get the benefit out of it. I don't know what you think. Let me know in the in the poll. So that's the army: eighteen cavalry, uh, eight bows, and two chariots plus two massive hitters. Amder and the Dragon Knight. So, 
what do you think to the army lists? Those are my Easterling lists. Um, I'm really intrigued. I'll put a poll on the um, on the Facebook page. So check it out. It'll be up there for a couple of weeks. So and feel free to leave the comments up there on the Facebook page of what you think to the army list, uh, the lists. In fact, you know what I'll do? I'll say A or B. Which do you like better? Um, and generally, do you like the idea of this army list? What can you uh, tell me to improve it? What do you think? Um, let me know. I'm really, really intrigued. So uh, get in touch on the Facebook page or you can email in entmootpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and I think one more little mention just before we move on completely. I believe one fellow, uh, David Leonard, got in touch saying about the um, about the Kirith Ungle list, said that uh, it's probably the best of my list ever, saying Shelob is Master Assassin and all this sort of stuff. Um, I, th- I love that. And that you you think that that was the best list. I feel, David, that you're probably not going to think the same about this army list. And um, this is definitely going to be a lot harder to wield and isn't in, as intrinsically balanced. Um, but what do you think, A or B? Let me know on the Facebook page. Riddles in the dark. Yes, it's time for Riddles in the Dark, the part of the podcast where I challenge you to tell me who speaks next in a clip from either The Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit films. Now, last time on the podcast, I think I foxed you. Yes, I did. Um, Because I played you this clip. And it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. I think I foxed almost everyone who got in touch. Uh, first, though, a shout out to Don Barnett, who I think listened to the podcast a little bit late, uh, a little bit before the next episode came out. So, Don uh, from Ontario, Canada, uh, you must have fantastic. Uh, hey, from Ontario, Canada, thanks for listening. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and you got in touch with a correct answer for episode 21 about uh, Deagle and Smeagol. So well done to that. Uh, your shout out is well deserved um, unless you just listened to that episode and then the next episode and then emailed it uh, in making me think that you're uh, just listening to episode 21. But hey, I don't mind either way. Thanks for getting in touch, Don. Really appreciate your support. Um, now, people who've been getting in touch about the next uh, the next riddle, though, uh, about that sort of uh, let them come uh, quote, the, the challenge from Gimli there. Uh, and clearly, I mean, let's be honest, we all know it's the Minds of Moria. But who speaks next? Because... There's an awful lot of grunting for the next few minutes. And there's an awful lot of orc calls. So, obviously, I'm not counting any uh, spoken words that include grunts, um, orcish squeals, trollish um, moans, anything like that. Who is the next person who speaks? So... Who's been in touch? Dan Boxholm's been in touch. Uh, thanks, Dan. Um, a regular getting in touch with the podcast. Uh, first, you say thanks for the shows and all the content you do. Been converting Morg Marauders. I don't know how I was going to say that. Warg Marauders with my recent bit of hobby. I have two answers for you this time. So here goes. You ask for who speaks next. Technically, it is the orcs screeching that can be heard from the arrows pissing the door. That is true. That is that is absolutely true. But I think the answer you're looking for is Aragorn, and he shouts. Frodo! Frodo! Hmm, maybe you're right. Or maybe you're not. Right, John Burgess gets in touch, says, I think I finally got one of these. So after the clip finishes, there's a lot of battle shouting. First by Gimli, but the next actual words which are spoken are by 
Dun, 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 dun. You got the correct answer. Um, great work with the podcast and YouTube channel. I hope to meet you at an event someday. Maybe you'll come to one in London at some point. John, absolutely would love to come to one in London. Um, I go to Seven Stones pretty regularly in London. Um, that will be happening later in the year. I don't know whether you'll be going to that. But by all means, send me an email. Let me know about a tournament that is happening in London. Um, and I'll try and get along to it. Absolutely always try to. I'd love to go to London and I have a couple of friends that I'd like to see in London. So that'd be great. Uh, thank you very much for getting in touch, John. Um, I'll go back to your, uh, the, uh, you're absolutely right about the comedy uh, headshots that you're talking about. So brilliant. Uh, so you've, you've got a tick. You've got a tick. Well done, John. Uh, Dave Sweeting's been in touch. Uh, thanks for the podcast. Is it Aragorn shouting Frodo when the cave trolls after him? I feel I may have missed something in between that though. Always feel like I should know these, considering how many times I've watched the films. Shameful. Thanks, Dave. You are incorrect, though. Uh, you've fallen into the same trap that Dan fell into, and one that I hoped people would fall into. But, Dan, you're back in touch. Okay, Dan, you're back in touch, and this time you do get the answer. So you, you took, I think that must have been the second listen or something like that. It was a week later. So maybe you just had a chance to watch the film in between, or uh, you've listened to the podcast again and realised your, your error. Um, so thank you very much. Um, and I think someone else has been in touch. Um, oh, now this is a bit of an unusual email. I don't know how to read this. Uh, Aiden Rigby, I want to pronounce it. Uh, A-A-D-A-N. Arden Aiden Rigby. Um, it says it's titled Riddles in the Dark, but there's what appears to be a load of code in there. I don't know whether it's some sort of weird font or image or something that's not showing. I'm going to assume, Aiden, that you got it wrong. Because why not? I mean like that <laughs> so thanks either way uh, Aiden it looks like you've tried to send an email in and get in touch which is ace so thanks very much for getting in touch uh, with the programme and the podcast um, just have a quick check in my uh, f- uh, other f- uh, the spam not not anything in there so the answer is of course <laughs> But of course it is. It is Sam. Yes, the, the trick here is you need to be watching the extended editions of the films and you need to have watched them enough to remember that there's some bits cut out of that Minds of Moria battle scene. Yes, there is. Uh, if you're used to the watching the original edition and maybe uh, maybe you're a latecomer to the extendeds, you might just not remember it and remember that there's lots of battle. There is a lot of battle. It's long. It's a long time and there is no talking. Um, obviously, you're not usually aware of that, but when you're trying to find a riddle, uh, answer to this riddle, then, of course, you, um, uh, you you won't be able to know. So, excellent. So, well done uh, to all those people who did get that correct, and well done. I think it was Dan who changed his mind, John who got it correct. Um, but either way, um, well done, well done. I think I'm going to give it to uh, the, the honour to John this time. Uh, John Burgess, thanks very much, John, because Dan got it wrong and then right. So, we'll see. Either way, uh, I really appreciate the, the efforts uh, that you've gone to to email into the show. Uh, Entmootpodcast at gmail.com is the uh, is the place to email if you want to get in touch. Now, if you want to get in touch, why not get in touch about something useful like this riddle? So who speaks next in that clip? And what do they say from The Hobbit or The Lord of the Rings movie? Let's listen again. One more time. Here is that riddle in the dark. Okay, there you go. Uh, Entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you think you know who speaks next and what they say. We'll find out in the next podcast the answer. 
Now, uh, usually we go on an adventure to a tournament somewhere around the country, or we certainly have for the first 20 or so episodes of the podcast. This time it's a little bit different, but hey, let's still call it an adventure. So yes, we're going on an adventure through time again. Um, apologies for not being able to record any new interviews for you. Um, I just want to uh, get out there and play games as much as you do. But hopefully uh, delving into the past will be uh, sort of uh, a similar way of uh, creating a tournament via random number generator uh, and disappearing into the archives for a brief period of time so what i'm going to do i'm going to load up the number generator um uh, get it get it working Uh, and now we're going to head over to previous episodes from episode 21 all the way back to episode one of entmood which goes back almost an entire year ago which is all very exciting so um and then i'm going to randomly assign a, a a game to play from those um from those uh, from those episodes so uh, it's simple i'll just enter the numbers in so here we go right uh, here we go what we're going to get 1 to 21 beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, boop. and it's episode 15 this is very exciting so episode 15 and if i scroll back it's the scouring of stirlingshire now i remember this fondly i took uh, sauraman uh, sorry no sauraman sauron um to scotland um, I believe with a, tre- no, a, a, a. I think I had Shil- Did I have Shelob? I can't remember. I think I definitely had some four knights or so of Minas Morgul, and I had a catapult. So it was all very exciting. So that will be one of the army lists. But it was a good versus evil tournament. So I also. I'm thinking. I'm right in thinking that. Yes, and I also took a um, an alliance of um, dwarves. I took uh, Dane with some Iron Hills. And Thraw with some Grim Hammers. So, let's see which game it is during that episode. And delve into the past. So, beep boop beep boop boop beep. So, it's the final game, uh, episode uh, six of uh, the episode. So, let's find out who I was playing and what I was playing with. And, of course, a little bit about the game itself. So the final game of the tournament, and I'm playing up against Mick, um, and I'm using Evil, of course, last time, Sauron, uh, my catapult sat in the corner, and we were playing Capture and Control, the one where you flip your objectives over to try and capture things. Um, Mick, um, what, what army is yours? Uh, what, what's the general gist of your list? Right, so I was playing uh, with Gun of the Wide, uh, Huron and Madril, leading uh, uh, 22 uh, Guards of the Fallen Guard with shields. Uh, four Knights of Minas Tirith, and I believe 13 uh, Rangers of Gondor with Spears. And, and what, uh, out of interest, before we talk about your good list, what, how, what's your evil list and how has that fared? Um, the evil list is uh, the Witch King with Crown, uh, 3 Might, 14 Will and 3 Fate on the horse. Uh, Shadow Lord on the horse, uh, Gyrit, uh, Groblog, 2 Bat Swarms. Ten goblins and then a mix of uh, black Numenorians and uh, orcs with spears. How's that fed? Uh, it it won two games and then it got crushed in one game against uh, against uh, an army which which was like sort, sort of very elite and very difficult to break. 
uh, in those of battle where uh, my opponent had a lot less models than me, including very big heroes. So even even though I had wizards and batsworms, I couldn't really do very much. Fair enough, fair enough. Now, so onto this game, into this game. So we're capturing control, we're, we're flipping over objectives. I've got about the same models, maybe you've got uh, a few more, I think. Um, did you fancy your chances knowing that I've got a Catapult and Sauron in the list? Well, I played against Catapult in round three, and I lost against it, so I learned my lessons. Um, well, n normally, uh, since I have higher five value across, across the entire army, and uh, you have very soft targets in combat, um, I was expecting to be to, to, to be beating you and winning most combats and, and, and killing you in fights. Mm. So the main point was really how do I stop Sauron with Gandalf? And also how do I deal with the catapult? Um, for the catapult I decided to send Huron and, and two knights um, uh, straight at it, which mathematically should have worked out better than it did. Uh, yeah, I think we, we, we did. You did, or you did some maths, and it worked out that I, I needed to get a roll of a six on the three dice to win, uh, which is a forty-two percent chance. Yes, and I did. Uh, I, yeah, and you did. Um, it, it, it was one of those those silly situations where I had multiple options, but I decided to just go with um, charging with Huron and two knights into into a troll. Uh, after heroic combat. Yeah, so what, what happened, well, I, I'd put, moved one of my Morgul Knights in front of the troll um, in order to try and try and basically be a speed bump. And the heroic combat, I thought, oh, that's quite a good idea, but I thought you were going to move back away from the troll instead. Instead, you went straight into the troll just because... Yeah, well, I figured that um, if I move back, you're going to be able to shoot. And um, if, I, if, I, uh, if I engage, uh, you're going to lose your reroll, uh, at least. And I decided that um, Huron with two knights charging against the troll. If you don't win, uh, if you don't win the fight, I have about uh, 14 dice on fives to kill you, which which should which should mean a dead troll. And you only win the fight for, uh, about 43, 44 percent of the time. Uh, so I should be winning, really, and I should be killing the troll there. Yeah, I, I see. I thought, oh, it's a bit of a coin flip. It's like as, as, as close to a 50-50 as you can get. So I was, I thought, oh, fair enough. But having said that, although the troll killed Hurin, um, you did eventually kill the troll. Eventually, after about four or five turns. After about, after about four or five turns, yeah. Uh, but luckily for me, uh, the troll didn't really kill anybody for the next three turns, despite winning combat every time. Uh, yeah, I think I won every combat and rolled twos and ones to kill things, yeah. so that was annoying. So moving away from that corner of the battle, um, we've got Sauron um, and a load of guys in the middle. I, I sent some wild riders to swing around to the left of some terrain in the hope of maybe catching one of the objectives, um, and I sent everything else forward against your line, so it was a bit of a clash of the lines. But um, the main duel, really, was, was a magical duel between Gandalf and Sauron. Of course, I've got a chill soul on a 4-plus with resistant to magic, and you've got a, a, a banish on a 4-plus, um, and you've got Fortify Spirit, which you put up in the first turn, a channeled Fortify Spirit. Yeah, so in, in, in turn one, the first thing I said was Gandalf's going to channel. And so I was actually hoping that you would use some of your might to, uh, to maybe heroic move, to maybe stop me from channeling, maybe transfix me to do something else. Mm. Uh, which, which I, which I was thinking, yeah, uh, you're going, uh, you're going to lose, uh, lose a my point, and I should be able to resist. But sadly, you didn't use your my point. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I thought, okay, uh, on the balance, on the balance, it's a D, it's a D three wounds on the the channel banish, and I thought, mm, 
so I might lose three wounds, but I've got the resistant. I can spend some extra will. I thought uh, I I need that move the, to be able to cast magic later on rather than uh, do it. So I thought it was worth a go, and I, and I was right because you you did the fortify spirit, which was annoying though. It proved. I don't think I got any chill souls off in the end at all. Yeah, I think I resisted every single spell in this game. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and 45 Spirit channeled, obviously, two or three dice to resist with plus one. Plus I had the staff, plus I had my will. So there was never really any doubt whether, whether I was going to resist. Even, even, even if, if a chill soul happens, um, Gandalf gets three will, uh, three fey points with, with a reroll. With, with, with re-roll so. Yeah, so it was unlikely to happen, but I was I was really hoping just to get one through, <laughs> just because I was like, it's so frustrating that this keeps bouncing off, and and it didn't help that um, Sauron really didn't perform. He under, underperformed in uh, pretty much every way in this pretty game. Much. I mean, four hundred points of guy, and I kept rolling very poorly in combat and I mean eventually he started working his way through and he is the only guy left on the table but um, it still ended up as a win to you and, and did you find it incredibly frustrating playing Sauron because I, I felt like it was incredibly frustrating being Sauron in this game not really like it's just it's just one of those models where this is basically how it plays so mm. there's nothing really really to be to be frustrating about like yeah. uh, the, the, the game itself I did everything I could and it's, it's just one of those things where if you've done everything correctly and you've played as, as best as you can, then even if I lost, then I can't really blame myself or anybody else. Like, um, the worst thing is really if you, if you keep making mistakes and losing because of that. But if you don't make mistakes, then even if you lose, it doesn't really matter. That's a really good philosophy to have. And I, I think you did play it absolutely perfectly. You, you stopped my wilds from coming around. Gandalf did some chunky stuff with, the, with magic over there. And... and he stopped all of things. The only thing that you couldn't do was was kill Sauron in combat, which I mean is is that in terms of things to try and succeed in, killing Sauron in combat is a tough one to do. Well, I did bring him down to one wound, so one wound that was, that was nearly there. And in the very last turn, we had uh, <clears throat> two turns of uh, rolling for uh, for breaking. Very last time, I managed to barge a guy over the objective. Uh, and then charge him again so that I was on the objective, lose combat and back up onto the objective. Uh, so I did manage to get one objective in the capture and control, uh, which meant it was a 10-2 victory to you. Correct, yeah. yeah. So, and, and in, in general, I think actually that was, that, that's a pretty good score for me. I was, I was pretty lucky to get that in a way. I think you should really have had the, uh, the objectives pretty much. Well, I was expecting that if the catapult hits Gandalf initially, uh, that might be slightly difficult for me. Mm. Like if, let's say, you manage to get one or maybe two successful scatters straight on, onto Gandalf, then that could have really hurt me. Yeah, and I, th- I think I did get two hits, but they both scattered into somebody else, didn't they? That's, that's right, And yeah. then there was one that I rolled a one on. Yeah, which was very sad and stuff. But either way, uh, it was a fantastic game, a great way to win the tournament, um, and I hope you enjoyed it too. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Thanks for the game. Thank you. Great to hear that chat with Mick, uh, absolute legend in the game, has been playing uh, competitively in the sort of competitive scene for a very long time, Um, very, very adept um, uh, player. So uh, really great to hear that game again, even if I did lose. But hey, uh, if it's anything like last time um, uh, on the podcast, you'll know that uh, my random tournament that I'm randomly generating is likely to leave me in a a position where I lose most of my games. So there you go. That's first randomly number generated um, battle. So let's try and find another one. So we put the the numbers back in the the thing. Uh, We'll get uh, the whole 21 episodes again and generate it. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep. Oh, and it's episode 19 this time. So episode 19, relatively recent, of course. Uh, That will be the slow grow featuring the epic one thousand point commentary now 
I know that last time uh, we did feature one of the slow grow um, uh, games, so I'm going to randomly generate between two. Which which will it be? It is the second game of that slow grow episode. Let's find out who I was playing against with my strange, strangely large Hobbit army. So, the start of round six, it's 800 points for the Hobbits and it's Lords of Battle. I'm playing against Rich Wilson and his Dwarven army. So, Rich, first of all, um, could you give us a rundown of your army? What's in the army and, and how did you fancy your chances against the Hobbit Horde? Oh, good dog. So, we've got Thror as the leader, yeah, hero of legend, obviously. Uh, so, pretty strong defence. Uh, yeah, defence nine. Defence nine, so yeah, they'd be pretty unlucky to get any wounds off him. Uh, then we've got Thrain. After him, solid attacks, plus one with the Master Forge Hammer. Then you've got Thorin as well. So his ability didn't even come off in the game, but it was there to use. Yeah. And then Dwalin, what can you say? Three attacks, strength five. Yeah, he, he can be a bit of a monster. And then you've got a smattering, I think it's about 15, is it, uh, uh, Grim Hammers? Correct, 15 Grim Hammers with a plus one up to Guardians of the King to give him strength four. Yeah, so, so they're strength four Grim Hammers. There's lots of throwing axes, strength three. You've got a load of other dwarves with spears and stuff. Um, so when you saw the Hobbit Horde, did you think that you were going to, uh, you know, a bit of a cakewalk or were there a lot more Hobbits than you expected? There was a lot more than I expected. And I thought, no, if we're one-on-one... Which I was counting on, then yeah, it w- it should have gone my way, but it's all about the dice at the end of the day. Yeah, it? well, well, it, it did go your way in the end. You did win the game, um, but uh, I think you're you're sort of probably thinking too much about those early ta- uh, early uh, combats where I'd moved my my archer line of so many uh, so many bows and so many uh, stones. Although I didn't, I don't think I actually threw a stone, um, and all the dunadine. So there's about ten dunadine now, I think. Um, and I got about three kills from the, uh, yeah, uh, from yeah, the from kings. That. And then, and then when you, because of the the, ter- the terrain, you ended up having a few guy outliers at the front who who got surrounded early on. Yeah, so you set back quite well, a nice defensive formation, and then yeah, I was just funneled in. Guys were splitting off, and then yeah, the bow was picking them off. Only one or two in the first round, but it's enough to weaken me down. Yeah, and and I think I think perhaps if I if I'd been a little bit luckier, because um, there are a few a couple of turns I, I you know I, I didn't get any wounds out of sort of fifteen or sixteen. Bow shots, which I was as a little, I was saying, you know, I don't really mind too much. But I think if I'd got just a few more, it would have really made that difference because those throwing axes killed about four or five guys. Even though I'd killed about six uh, Grim Hammers at the time, they connected, and um, yeah, there was a lot of a lot of Hobbit death because you know strength three throwing axes against defense three is yeah, absolutely. But you, the Grim Hammers were flying well off the board. I think quicker than I expected. Yeah, Um, I mean, once you got, once you got, I, I think the first thing I did was surround all the Grim the five or so Grimhammers that did get into the front yep. surrounded them with some of the Dunedain uh, with Halberad a couple of the Hobbit heroes all those attacks um, lots of lots of dead Grimhammers but then of course when the lines finally did connect I, I, I lost a couple of um, heroic move-offs which didn't help and then you had the spear line which just the strength four uh, yeah. strength four guys with the, with the strength three in the back with all the piercing strikes and all this sort of thing slowly wore me down slowly slowly I think it was a bit of to and fro in though there would be around mm. say round three would go my way round four catch up a bit yeah it was yeah I didn't know how it was going to go no I, I think I was narrowly behind you most of the way in terms of kills Lords of Battle obviously tallying kills but um, I think the what, what I really obviously I've got loads more models anyway so you've got more people to kill but uh, but I I think what I'd struggled with I had nothing 
nothing to counter those big heroes. So when those big heroes did get get a chance to do damage, I just had nothing to this ca is, counter them. Yeah, absolutely, this is true. And then the fight value of your army is just, there were so many times uh, when you got the six and then I would get the six as well. Yeah. And it just, yeah. But like I said, you had plenty of might though on your side. I did, I had all the might. So I had plenty of chances for heroic moves. I mean, like I say, not all of the roll-offs went my way, although a fair few did go my way, I must say. I think so, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think I, had, I think I had every single priority. I think you had every single heroic. Yeah, probably most so, of the yeah. heroics. Yeah, not not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's probably fair. That a lot of the heroics d definitely went my way. Probably ninety percent. Um, but yeah, it was the like you said, the fight value. Because even if I've got five, as as we've, I'm looking down at the ruins, and there's a circle of shiris where, and, and in the middle there was a grimhammer. They've yeah. got this just lovely flower boot, formation. Just his, just his boots left over. From yeah, exactly. They've bashed him to death. But yeah, there were so many times, like you say, where um, where we got we. I just got. I just thought, ah, oh, damn. And of course, you kill everything that, uh, that I'm fighting. You know, with the strength fours, piercing strikes. Any time I lose a combat, it's a dead hobbit. Pretty much, pretty much. I think it went that way eventually. But the first combat I got into, two Grimhammers against one hobbit. He won it though, didn't he? Oh, he did. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that was purely to, to stop you getting the uh, the throwing uh, throwing axe to, uh, off both of them, and I, I managed to win it anyway. Yeah. I did manage to pull off a good move at the end where I uh, surrounded Dwalin with Halbarad, Pippin. Uh, and a Dunedain and managed to kill kill him with a strike and, and charge off him and into stuff. Alas, at this time, I just couldn't get into Thrall. What, as, it, as it ends, it ended on the roll of a one or two because we were both broken. Um, and there's, there's this, if you're looking at the field now, we've got Pippin, Merry, Halbarad and a and Ranger all lined up, ready to go straight for Thrall. So yeah. that would have been my f next move, would yeah, have been straight into the back of Thrall and hopefully I'd have got a wound. That's what I was counting on. Didn't quite get it though. No, I, to be honest, I missed that. I, was, I wasn't counting on ending then, mm. but I... I was concentrating on trying to get the kills. I didn't even see that he's actually just got one guy next to him. Yeah. He wouldn't be able to help him. So he's, yeah, he's actually been. completely surrounded. There's yeah. one, there's one yes. dwarf there that, that could potentially stop someone getting in, but, but really he's completely surrounded. Having said that, my Pip Merry is on borrowed time as well. He's only got two fate, no might. Oh, so he spent two fate, spent uh, two might. He's got uh, two wounds, obviously, but he's still narrowly, narrowly lost, uh, uh, lost all his fate. But either way, it was a cracking game, Rich, and you played it really well. And you, you managed to pull things around I think perhaps there are a couple of times that you you didn't get your heroes in as quickly oh, as you no. could have done if you got Dwalin in there doing some damage uh, but he ended up sort of sort of hanging around at the back for far too long he would have yeah. smashed through hobbits like nobody's business yeah absolutely for 85 points for what he is I think he only got two kills if mm. that one combat next one he was just surrounded wiped yeah. out by your heroes yeah, so because he was just hanging around at the back doing yeah. like chilling out watching all the all the troops sort of either either die or, or kill hobbits so a spectator's game for Dwalin but either way it didn't matter in the end because you managed to uh, absolutely destroy the hobbits and and a good game and, and in terms of the the slow grow league itself and yep. um, you you must have started with Thrall is that right or who yeah, did you start with Oh, it's three, actually, I think. Mm. Yeah, because uh, someone mentioned on the chat, oh, Defence 9 might be a bit overkill for 200. So I thought, all oh, right, yeah, fair enough. Uh, I mean, I think <laughs> I was one of the outliers who was saying, no, take him, 200, uh, yeah, Defence 9's great. Yeah. Although but it might have been a sensible choice in the end. Yeah, I, it was Thrain to begin with. Yeah. Uh, with, I think it was only seven or eight Warriors of Everball. Basically, the war band he, he came with today. Yeah. Then added Thrall and just been doubling up each time. They're quite nice round numbers of dwarves. So yeah. literally been a hero each time and a warband each time, as in, so that's why I'm on four now. And, and you're fairly new to the game. You play, uh, collected the toy soldiers back in the day yeah. and then never really played. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, I was always just into it. Since so all of the rings, all the miniatures, straight into it. 2001. 
Yeah. So, you know, when I was like nine, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, as soon as I saw these came out last year, I thought, I've got to get them, got to get the models, got to get into it. Yeah, definitely. And how have you enjoyed it so far? Because, you know, this Slow Grow League has been purely for the uh, new players like yourself who or, or returning players, perhaps. Um, how have you found the Slow Grow League building up this army and, and going from 200 to 800 so far? Oh, it's, it's been an awesome just progression, to be honest. I think it's been like perfect for timing as well, getting games in when you're struggling. Yeah. But... Yeah, to actually build up the army, it gives you time to paint as well. I yeah. think I've only had one or two get one game maybe where it wasn't painted yeah. as well, so there's that as well. And worth noting your painting, actually. We both painted our armies, which is a, a, good, a good thing. But um, you're, you're, they, they look great, the Grimhammers, like this, and particularly the Grimhammers, because even though they're just you know, metal, yeah, they actually yeah, done, done a cracking job. So, and I love the fact that uh, this is the, the rewarding, um, uh, rewarding tournament points or, or league points by uh, helping people paint if uh, just get... Just that little extra incentive. Encouraging the, yeah. encouraging the hobby side of it as well. Not Absolutely. just going all out gaming, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's good to have fully painted models. I love, yeah, love like the flowers on Mary, for example. Oh, nice thank you. Pe nice peaceful touch there. Yeah, and you know, uh, pink lobelia and all that sort of stuff. Nice and colourful yeah, hobbits, um, sadly, uh, covered in more red than anything else <laughs> after that battle. Well, Rich, cracking game. Thanks very much for talking to me on the podcast as well. Cheers, Harry. Thanks very much. Thanks for setting it up as well. Thank you. No, no worries. And yes. Of course, I lost another game. Huzzah for me and my Hobbit Alliance there. Uh, if you want to listen to more of the, the Hobbit uh, escapades that I did um, throughout the Slow Grow, there's two episodes of uh, Slow Grow podcasty goodness, um, building up an army um, with lots of Hobbits and then Duna Dine and all the other sorts of rubbish thrown in to make it a lot worse <laughs> in the long run. Uh, so there you go. Right, now on to another game, uh, game number three. Let's enter the random number generator to find out exactly uh, what situation we're going to get let's have a look beep boop beep boop beep boop beep boop and we get oh this is an interesting one this is episode 12 this is a battle company hybrid event now this was an unusual one uh, day two of which um i was playing with candish um, which is uh, very topical um basically day one build up a battle company day two include that battle company into a tournament so uh, it will be Beep boop, beep boop. Game two of that. So game two of episode 12. Let's find out what happened in this match. So game two of the second day of this hybrid battle companies and uh, uh, MESBG normal uh, game. And uh, we're playing a, a sort of slight variant of Seize the Prize in which there are three prizes. And I was facing up against Jack, Rendo, and Jack, you have a lot of nasty spiders. Yeah, I've got the dents in this, so it is... A it's a spider queen, chell spiders, three mocha spiders, three bat swarms, and couple of wags here and there. And how many of those things were in the battle company yesterday? Because you've gone with the Denizians of Mirkwood uh, as the starting battle company. Um, how much? Because from what I gather, you had some bat swarms quite early on, even though uh, it requires what, a six and a six to do it. Yeah, well, yesterday I saved up a lot of info to go on the special chart and I kept rolling fives. So by the end of day one, I had three bat swarms. So all I actually added was one mocha spider, spider queen, and 11 spiders. But it's a lot, a lot of, uh, of nasty spiders. And, and I suppose. Um, with the battle companies um, you get these spiders that have got these weird special rules and you've got uh, extra bits of might which is something that a normal spider army is lacking in might yeah it was funny because I found out by day two yesterday uh, by game two yesterday I had more might in my battle company than I would on my normal army because mm. with a spider army you only get three might max 
where here I had one wag with three mites, and then plus all the basic mites, mm. made, it, made it very useful. And with the mocha spiders having mites, their paralyzers are much more reliant, reliable. That's absolutely true. True. And and how have you found that in, in terms of you know make, make sort of getting the moves and, and you know wrapping yourself around with all the spiders? Has the mite really play, made a big difference? The mites made a huge difference of actually getting off all the plays you need to do, and mm. it's just to counter everyone's heroic moves. And it's useful for getting those um, heroic combats to swing around and just kill who you need to kill. Well, exactly. With the strength five for two attacks, you're often doing that as well. And um, when you saw my army um, with the chariots and you know the potential for lots of strength four impact hits on your relatively uh, flimsy uh, spiders, what did you think? I was scared, but the idea I had was to get the bat swarms into the prizes and protect them with just frozen spiders in the way, like roadblocks. Mm. Because you have to you have to roll two fours over two dice, which is easy to do, but I just have to hope for ones to freeze. Yeah, the ch- and the chances, are, uh, yeah, the probability is against me in the sense that I'm not often going to churn through more than one or two, maybe if, if I'm very lucky. But and uh, as the game panned out, uh, pretty much exactly how you planned, um, you sent the bats in, jumped on the prizes, and got those prizes, and they eventually flapped off. And I was basically never really going to grab them. But uh, do you think there was anything that I really shouldn't have done that I did? You kind of left your banner on one side of the lane, and the rest, rest your army stayed there. And so while you should have the reroll to win those fights. Mm. I think that, that was a massive miscalculation on my part. I should. I, I, basically, there was, uh, we were operating on a goblin town board, which is frustrating because the dice get stuck underneath the, <laughs> the platforms. But um, we, uh, there's, there's a channel on one side, and I thought, ah, oh, I've got a chariot here that I can go down this channel um, go over the prize and hopefully knock the two people out but I'd completely forgotten he's the only banner I've got because my king uh, he was the actual Candish king whereas the, the guy in the middle is just the leader of the battle company he looks a bit like a king <laughs> but uh, actually isn't it doesn't have the banner effect um, but yeah so I left that I think if I put Amder on the side on his own maybe he'd have he'd, he'd have done a lot better and then the banner uh, which only affects him would be fine for him but not for anyone else so uh, that was a bit of a poo-poo I also spent far too much might in the early, early stages on, yeah. you spent quite a lot of might early on trying try and win the fights and it just didn't pan out mm. especially with Amda he lost his might very early which mm. meant you spent on the strike which was a bit iffy on yeah I, I could have uh, saved a point of might to try and get the six um, cause I, but I thought if I strike against the, the spider queen I'm guaranteeing that win but um, I, I undenied because actually I think I would have a probability would, would have been on my side I think but I still did it anyway yeah because you, you have the same fight but you have the elven blade so mm. only one or two mm. And saving that mic meant you would have got the six, so your least would have got the wall off, and it would have gone much more in your favour instead of... Yeah, exactly, which which was silly, but hey, these things happen. Um, but yeah, like you say, I think I spent too much might and ended up not getting that momentum that in the late game, which I really, obviously with chariots, you really want to be getting those moves, but you just won a few priorities in a row and, and you had plenty of might anyway, so so yeah, I guess it went down to a 12-2 win to you because I did manage to kill the Spider Queen uh, with a, a well-timed chariot at the end, but, um, but in the end it was a, a cracking game, Jack. And those spiders, I mean, I think we've played a few times now over at various tournaments, and every time I've played against you, I've played against your spiders, and, and I, don't, I just don't know how to com- compete against them, to be honest. It's, it's a difficult one, it's like, the way you compete with them with like chariots, often it's just to win the move off, but it just, you just, the dice kind of left you early on, and when the spiders have the momentum, early, spiders are really weak early on because they lack numbers, but they can kill, so if they can win and just churn through a few more, late games just get very easy of just yeah. overwhelming. And, yeah, and there were a few odd things like I accidentally shot my own chariot and killed the chariot, which 
with one, literally one bow shot in the whole game, I think I shot, basically. And it happened to be into a combat. I thought, well, if I get a spider, this is great. Chances are I'm not going to kill the chariot. And of course, I hit the guy and killed the chariot. And I, 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 yeah, I sort of felt like, oh, right, okay, that that's sort of says it all, really, in terms of my dice rolls. Yeah, and you also, I think it was, hit a bat swarm. He did three fours with eight dice and you didn't get a single four yeah that was that was horrendous horrendous stuff but either way Jack it was a pleasure to play you and as, mu- as much as I hate the spiders there, <laughs> you, you play them really well and it's always a pleasure oh, to play you it's, it's always good to play against you as well well thanks very much for the game cheers Jack Render there uh, being an absolute champion with his uh, his horrible spider armies um, I've played him I think three times now with his spiders and I just get just the floor wiped with me every single time Um, I'm hoping that eventually I'll be able to beat those spiders but there's something about it uh, whether it's maybe it's just something to do with the armies that I take that they just really struggled against spiders because I know they're not ridiculously overpowered or anything but uh, I always find it really unlucky um, playing against spiders Um, I don't like elves and elves are probably quite good against spiders so maybe that's why anyway that was game three of this random tournament uh, of the podcast uh, variety Um, so that was if you want to have a listen back to the full tournament the uh, the battle games um, hybrid of sorry uh, the battle companies hybrid uh, event it was actually a really good episode episode 12 um didn't get much of the battle companies in from day one because just because of the nature of the event there was just so little time to tally things up but the idea was really sweet there's a really great interview with will champion about um, how he came up with the idea for the event and and how it all worked so i'd really recommend it for people who want to dip their toe into a bit of bit of battle companies but perhaps not uh, not start up a league with their, their friends and stuff like that so really recommend that uh, episode 12 so now we're on to another episode can we work out what it will be and what will uh, the episode be and the will I actually be able to win a game? Uh, so far, I've won three losses. So in a normal tournament, I'd be uh, in the doldrums at the bottom of the uh, rankings. But no such look here. What will I be facing? So let's randomly generate a tournament. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop. Episode 17. So this is the GBHL finale, which is the, uh, the 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 scouring of Cheshire, I think is what they call it. Um, this is uh, this is a great the great tournament, uh, Steve Crow's uh, tournament, amazing scenery. I took the Fellowship of the Ring to the tournament, so uh, there's lots of cracking games um, here, lots of uh, fun ones. Uh, I believe I ended up doing all right with them actually. Um, I think mostly still losses though. So let's find out. Uh, we'll randomly generate a, a, a matchup from the tournament, and we'll see what happens. Let's generate it up. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, boop. Okay, it's the final match, the final match of the tournament. So let's find out who I was playing against and what I was up against. So game number six of the Scouring of Cheshire and the, uh, the, the forces of the Fellowship uh, taking on hold ground. So trying to get to the middle and have as many models as you can in the middle, which is always a bit of a tricky one with uh, uh, the, the Fellowship with nine models. But made a little bit harder, I think, by my opponent, Michael Haskell. Uh, return to Entmoot uh, with your army. Just give us a quick guide to uh, what your army is, Michael. So I went for the Rangers of Italy and Legendary Legion. I've given it a run out with just Faramir, Madril, Damrod, a captain and a load of rangers and troops. Um, but the suggestion by someone high up in the GBHL league should be that I take Frodo as well. So the list included Frodo. Um, and it worked reasonably well 
Um, I knew at sort of 700 points it could be a bit flaky in some scenarios and some situations, but overall I'm quite pleased with the way it's performed, and, and, and I had six smashing games. Excellent. And how, how have you, uh, what was your tally in the end? Was it two wins for you? Yeah, two wins and four losses, but the four losses came first, so I got to my natural resting point before I got, picked up my two wins. Fair enough, fair enough. So um, so let's just uh, walk us through what happened here, because um, I, I got the priority, so I had to cho- kind of choose where my guys ended up, so I couldn't sort of sneak on behind you or any, uh, any crazy funky stuff like that um, but it, it, it's a sort of relatively tree heavy board in a sense but it, it sort of has a kind of square that goes around the whole centre um, and then there's a big gap in the middle where there's a river um, and of course the objective is in the centre uh, so it was going to be on the river, and, and we, we decided it would be slightly on, to one side of the river, which ended up being my side of the river, uh, which I thought might be an advantage, but actually probably ended up not being an advantage because it meant I, you could just stand and shoot your however many bows it is uh, at me from the other side while I sort of cowered behind trees and hoped for the best. Yeah, I mean, essentially, it didn't matter where that river was because I was just going to stand back and shoot. That, that's the main raison d'etre for my army. Um, I mean, it, it's tree-heavy. In, in some ways, actually, there were more trees on my side of the board than the other, so um, it did limit your ability to get um, Aragorn and Legolas with those elven cloaks stuck behind. Um, oh, someone's in trouble. Um, I'm just wondering whether, uh, whether you think that I, I could have, if I'd played it slightly differently, um, and I had a, a role that I mighted up into a three or a two or something, uh, I can't remember what it was, but maybe if I'd tried to avoid coming on in the first turn, I might have had the jump on you, do you think? Possibly, yes. Um, I mean, with Madril, I get the advantage of that Master of Ambush special rule, and, and that did help. And, and Damrod took a couple of turns to turn up, um, but he was a, a small warband anyway, so it didn't really matter. And actually, in the end, he was quite strategically placed. So the rolls went all right for me. So, yeah, I, I guess what you probably needed to come on afterwards, as it were, and try and maybe get a, a small chunk of my army and decimate it, that, that might have been. But um, as it was, we, we, we were sort of on each other's side of the board, and it just gave me the chance to set myself up and pepper you with arrows yeah there's a, there's a lot of bows in this list how many is it is it 30 something so, so I had 19 bows in terms of rangers obviously Madril, Damrod and Faramir each had a bow um, and then I had 7 warriors of Minas Tirith with bows as well right. okay so so we've got an awful lot of uh, bows but also a, a fair fighting force when you get there um, but of course I, I, I didn't have a chance although I had uh, Legolas and Aragorn who spent most of their first few turns shooting uh, at Faramir and ended up killing him yeah. uh, spending uh, ditching a load of might on it because I knew eventually I'd, uh, I'd succumb to the overwhelming firepower but I spent an awful lot of time cowering behind a tree using my elven cloaks so, to hide me and then Gollum hiding me and then Boromir hiding me and then Gimli hiding me it just felt like a very uncharacteristically fellowship thing to do it was but it, from a game mechanics perspective it probably was the only thing you, you, you could do yeah it was it was funny the fact that, that you kept hiding Aragorn because it got hit fairly early on didn't he and had to use his fate points yeah I think he ended up with uh, all of his fate gone in the first couple of turns so he was very fragile and wounding him on sixes is you know it it, it means that with 30 or so bows it's it's probably a matter of time isn't it yeah so it was a question of putting uh, volunteer fellowship members in front of Aragorn to try and protect him Um, the only one of course who really really helped was was Gimli because it's just so hard and a strength too bow to get anything on Gimli yeah, but six he, must, he, must, he must have been a bit of a, 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 a pin cushion by the end of the game mind you yes, I think I think he'll sort of collected loads of arrows that have bounced off his armour throughout the day I, I think in one way um, the one thing that played definitely to my disadvantage in this game was that um, the army doesn't break until Frodo dies so uh, I'd broken for a long time by, by numbers but, but of course you uh, uh, cannily knew this uh, and just didn't shoot at Frodo at all and no matter how hard I tried I couldn't 
I couldn't get you to kill Frodo because there's no reason for you to do it. So I ended up standing in the middle with about four, I think four guys going, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do here because you need to kill Frodo, but Frodo can't do anything. So, he, so he's sort of wading through a river to try and uh, finally collide with the lions. And he did eventually die. But of course, by that time, I only had Gimli left on the board, leaving a, a, a resounding victory to you. Yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'd, I'd forgotten that you needed to kill Frodo in the Fellowship to make them break. So I was being a bit wary early on about, do I go for the hobbits and just, you know, could, could I accidentally break you early? And when you were nearer the centre and I wasn't sort of thing. But, but when you said, oh, no, they don't break till Frodo, I thought well, that gave me a, a distinct advantage in being able to pick and choose a little bit more my moment of, like a, like a snake, the moment I struck, as it were. Yes, yeah, so I basically said, oh, look, I'm Achilles. Why don't you shoot at my heel? Uh, so it was, uh, it was a tough one. But either way, Michael, um, I, was, I was glad to have got Faramir because I think I only killed three models, including Faramir, um, because of, by the time I actually did collide with your lines, was it four? Okay, four. By the time I collided with, uh, with your line, it was, uh, it was basically game over and you swamped me and I just thought, well, this is the only way I can do it is let you kill uh, Frodo and then I might, I might be able to have enough guys on the objective to win. But yeah, the, alas, it wasn't to be. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the denouement worked quite well because you've got Boromir and Frodo going in and it, because I got the priority and everything, it meant I could trap Boromir yeah. and take him down and, and, and not do anything with Frodo. And then, I say by that stage, you only had Gimli and Frodo left, didn't you? So I could then pick and choose um, when I took Frodo out. Yes, and in the end, there was about 10 guys on the objective. Gimli still valiant standing wading in the river throwing axes at people uh, uh, failing to wound every time but uh, he tried his best damn it but uh, he failed um, Michael 12 to victory to you uh, and two victories for the tournament so uh, well played and thanks for playing me again it's been a pleasure as ever yeah thanks very much betrayed betrayed by Michael Haskell my uh, former doubles partner and would have been my doubles partner for the Seven Stones tournament which would have been around about now uh, during uh, lockdown but of course it's been delayed until the end of the year so hopefully we'll be able to revisit that and I'll be able to get Michael back for for betraying me and destroying the fellowship in such a cruel, cruel manner. It must be said that Michael has vastly improved um, from gaming, having been tutored by me during doubles. <laughs> no, of course not. Uh, absolutely untrue. Um, Michael has, uh, has has worked really hard on, uh, and, and I think he's become uh, an excellent player, uh, actually. I think probably his the positions in, in, in the tournaments doesn't really reflect his ability. Um, but either way, uh, Michael, uh, excellent game there with the with the the fellowship being sort of peppered with arrows uh, slowly um, as we as I they slowly realise that they have to stand in the middle of a board which has no terrain directly in the centre for hold ground. So there you go. Uh, that was the GBHL finale towards the end of last year. The scouring of Stockport, the scouring of Cheshire, I think, is the official name for it. So that means uh, we return to the number generator, the random number generator, to find out what game we're going to be playing next so i'll enter in the number of uh, games we've been to the tournaments we've been to so 21 uh, randomly enter it in beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep. Ooh, and it comes oh episode one again okay i think we had uh, something from episode one uh, so i'll discount um the the match we had last time um so hopefully that doesn't come up we'll just redo it again if uh, if it comes up again let's find out beep boop beep boop beep boop Oh, it's game four. Okay, so good. I think it was game three last time. Uh, so let's find out who I was playing in the very first episode all those many months and uh, maybe years now ago. So uh, I, just to remind you, I was playing with uh, a Ringwraith on Felbeast, uh, the Witch King on Felbeast, and Sauron, which was always a good way to start things, I thought. So here we go. Let's find out who we're playing against and how it all panned out. 
So, Dave, uh, just first of all, um, just give us an idea of your army list that, that you've taken uh, to the tournament this weekend. We've got Aragorn, Merry Pippin, Paladin, all with a bunch of hobbits, so like 40-odd hobbits, and then Kurdam, and uh, elves, 12 elves with spears and you know, max bows and a banner. And because and, we don't see a lot of this, this is a convenient allies with elves and a, a sort of a hobbit gun line with elves in the, the back. What was there a, a reason for choosing this army, or is it just something that you're comfortable with and play a lot? Or? It's basically I realised it was army deadline day, and it's basically the most the sort of the thing I default back to. Mm. Pretty much the same as something I take last year, last last edition, but with Aragorn instead of Saruman the White, which is basically the same kind of points, so it still works. Nice, yeah. nice. And and how how have you fared in most of your games? Uh, I say average. Uh, I lost a game on complete luck, uh, which was like you know coming down to like within one and hold ground in the middle. Like had one less, and it had been an unfortunate final turn for me, so that was unlucky. But uh, I lost a game because of. Uh, because of a really bad deployment mistake I made, so I was completely fine with that. I, I think I played it all right after that, but I, the damage was too much. I couldn't come back. And, uh, yeah, I won three, and I just lost my final game against, uh, against you. Yeah. Uh, and the, the final game was to the death, so this is the banner one where you have to kill uh, leaders, and you had a banner. Uh, and, of course, you're facing up against Sauron and the two ring raids. Um, what, what did you think when you first knew, found out you were playing Sauron and two ring raids? Did what did, what did you fancy your chances, basically? Well, considering about half my models are strength two and can't hurt Sauron, I wasn't overly keen. But I thought I, I felt like I'd have a decent shot at killing the Wraith. I've faced a lot of Felbeasts, so I, I felt like I'd have a decent shot at killing off killing them off. Mm. Um, and I do have elves with blades that can go to hand against Sauron. That's a five by five. You know, there's Aragorn for the strikes because lowish might. You know, I should be able to outlast you might wise. Mm. And then there's. Um, you know, strength four hobbits with axes, so that well three with axes. So you know that's sixes by fours. That's sort. Of, wait, no, sixes by fives. But that's kind of manageable. But of course, uh, you you got pretty unlucky with the. Uh, I mean, I, I sort of flapped my way over the board and, and took a few shots, took a few wounds on a, a couple of the fell beasts. But then uh, there was one turn I charged with uh, Mary with the Witch King, and you joined the fray with Aragorn quite sensibly. Um, but then it it didn't. Well, I say sensibly, it didn't work out for you at all. No, I think um, I think that was the. the I think I'll be charitable to myself and say that was the, the mistake of the game, the, the only real mistake. Mm. Should have waited for a turn when you didn't charge. Mm. That I kind of forgot about it, honestly. I felt maybe slightly overconfident in uh, you know, free strike, three might, should be okay, but I didn't account on you uh, being able to roll sixes in every fight, which I think <laughs> yeah. it, up until the end it was every single fight. I think there was two with the Witch King that didn't, but up until, well, not counting the regular Little Wraith, but that was such a so long ago now yeah, I can't remember there were, there were a lot of turns of, of basically I, after because I got I won that combat against Aragorn yeah. uh, and you, you couldn't even mic the roll it was just because you, you got a one on the strike didn't you or something yeah, like that yeah I got one on the strike and you rolled a six and so, I was like oh what yeah. you didn't uh, even go to ten either this no was it, it, it was like seven or eight absolutely and then so so then uh, Aragorn dies in the first turn because of the knockdown and then the uh, the extra extra hits from the Witch King um, but then from then on it was it was kind of of, you were you were really going to struggle, I guess, to to do any wounds against uh, Sauron and the with the hobbits. I guess that's the the difficult part of it. Now really. that I think about it, I actually got that was pretty lucky to kill him because I mean, what's that? Eight dice, probably winning on fours. Mm. It must have done quite a lot because I mean, 
four. Maybe wow. it was. It was I like something like four or five wins, wasn't it? You, yeah. you, the one that you you failed your fate on ones, basically, didn't you? Rather than doing anything, yeah. Which which basically painted a picture for the rest of the game where it was just it was. I, I, and it's the problem with with a terror causing army is that you just ending up rolling so many terror checks. It's just it's a bit demoralising after a while, isn't it? The, well, yeah. I mean, Kedan was doing bits, and I was feeling relatively confident because I would never have to roll. I'd always get maximum. I'd get the you know have control. I'd kill the witch king and all that. I felt confident, and then I could. You you know, just constantly bundle on Sauron and wait for him to not roll a six, mm. which he never did, by the way. Mm. Um, he yeah, rolled a six every combat, yeah. Every or, or the one. very least, if I didn't roll a six, oh, yeah. you didn't roll a four. No, you, you, rolled a five. A, you rolled a five, which would have been good enough with your might, but then I rolled a four high or something yeah. on nine dice, I think it was. So you didn't even draw the might out. But it, it, it was a, a, a rough deal, really. But like you say, it, there were a couple of couple of things that just didn't go your way which massively swung the game and then yeah. from then it was because actually I, I'd completely forgotten about Kurdan's um, aura of yeah. command and because you'd cast that I'd taken two courage off Aragorn so I was feeling like well actually I can probably risk this on the balance of probability and still get a chance but of course I'd forgotten about that rule which ultimately actually was your downfall accidentally even though yeah, it, was, well, it should have been an advantage to you yeah, yeah. I mean and when, when Kurdan died was the hard one as well because you came in with you know I still had tons of models you know something like 50 models still on the board Aragorn died and I didn't really lose models in earnest until until the end to be honest until the last sort of five or six turns but but once once Sauron's got mobbed down it's just lots and lots of models taken yeah. off a turn with that with that special swinging mace, mace yeah, attack yeah exactly well the witch king especially, yeah, especially with the sixes um, yeah. the, the witch king with no might left fighting Kurdan and a bunch of elves with blades and I, uh, we both got the six I think was that one of the times when I got a six and I lost the roll off or was that one of the times when I, I feel like I think, that was a roll-off. Yeah, I think I won yeah. all the roll-offs yeah. as well. Let's suffice to say, I, I, my dice were running pretty hot in, yeah, in this yeah, game, yeah. and your you, you just couldn't, couldn't do anything about it. I would it, say your, your dice, even when they sort of cooled off a bit, I just was steadfastly refusing to win fights. Yeah. Like uh, Witch King rolled a four highest, and then I proceeded to roll like a four. Eight dice, three. Eight dice, yeah. three high. Yeah, that was that was probably the most ridiculous because that was the turn after the nine dice four high that yeah. scuppered me and <laughs> I didn't even manage to get Sauron's might out and I was just head in hands at that point well I'm, I'm sorry that it, uh, hopefully it, it, you got to, uh, enjoyed it a little bit well uh, I mean there's a certain ridiculousness to it yeah. isn't there like once it's once you're sure it's out of your hands it's just yeah. chaos really yeah. Well, yeah. I, you've got a lovely army, and I love I love the the, the paint scheme, the co- very colourful hobbits, and the grey havens elves as well. But uh, yeah. thanks for having a chat with me, and thanks for the game, Dave. Appreciate Cheers. it. Cheers. Dave Farmer there, being incredibly sporting after having an incredibly unlucky game against uh, against Sauron and the two Witch King and uh, Ringwraith on Fellbeast. So, uh, tricky game for him. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, you, you wouldn't expect Hobbits particularly great to fare against uh, two or three big monsters, but the numbers definitely should have been a massive advantage there. Uh, just just in case you're wondering, uh, this was uh, some old. This was probably before the update um, of the new rules, I think. So. Maybe it was. I don't know. How would it have been? Anyway, some certainly some FAQs wouldn't have been in play at, the, at this point. So I have a feeling there were some um, queries about ponies and stuff like that. Anyway, uh, yeah. So worth worth noting that, that that's, this is a few editions of FAQs at the very least uh, behind us. So if there's any reference to any of these games, uh, that that's the case. Right. Okay. So a final game for the tournament. I have finally got a win. But it's fair to say I'm certainly not going to be up on table one for this last uh, last matchup of the tournament. But we need to generate which uh, episode it's going to be coming from now. So let's enter in the numbers. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep. Oh, OK. Episode eight. That is 
Ooh, this is a good one. We haven't uh, delved into this one in, in the archives yet. This is episode eight. So this is the Green Dragon crossover at Ardacon. So this tournament, I spoke to um, uh, uh, spoke to Kylie a number of times as she went, uh, went her way through the Masters tournament. Uh, if you don't know about the Green Dragon, it's a fantastic green uh, podcast, um, Australian podcast. They are very much alive and well during the lockdown, uh, certainly more so than I am. In fact, I think they've been releasing numerous episodes. So a big shout out to uh, Jeremy, Kylie and the rest of the Green Dragon crew, including all their guests at the moment, um, because they've produced some cracking episodes that have really kept me sane. Some of the three hour ones as well. Awesome stuff. Uh, Great for a mammoth painting session. So anyway, uh, a distraction there, but absolutely check out the Green Dragon podcast if you never have done in the past. Um, So uh, episode eight. So this was where I was playing with Jasmine, uh, playing in the doubles uh, at the tournament, the Articon tournament last year, which I really seriously doubt was going to happen this year. But, uh, you know, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But looking at the restrictions at the moment and the way um, international travel is going to be affected and large gatherings is going to be affected, I mean, I, I would I would. I, I would put a lot of money on the fact that it's going to have to be cancelled. But anyway, uh, fingers crossed it doesn't get cancelled and that everyone can travel across the world uh, to spend uh, three days inside a gaming convention with 200 other people uh, at a time of a pandemic. Right, uh, let's anyway, uh, enough side-tracked thoughts. So episode eight, this was when I, I played with Jasmine in the doubles tournament on the same day that uh, Kylie was working her way through the Masters tournament. Uh, there were four rounds in the Masters, and there was three rounds in the uh, in the Thingy Majug tournament, the doubles tournament. So, randomly generating out of seven potential games, let's find out what we find out. Beep boop beep boop beep boop. Ah, game six. Game six. Gosh, we've had three game sixes already. But uh, this was not the final game. This would probably be the final game with uh, with Jasmine. And then I think I ended from memory on the final of the, uh, the Masters. So this will be Jasmine and I facing up against our final matchup of the doubles tournament. So the final game of the doubles tournament, we're playing Damien and uh, Bartosz, uh, who've come all the way from... Uh, Poland, all the way from Poland. Um, and first of all, um, uh, Bartosz, uh, could you... Uh, Damien. Damien, sorry, wrong way around. Uh, Damien, uh, could you just uh, tell me your army list, what, what's in the army list? So there was uh, Goblin King, Grinach, uh, Captain, Gollum, and a bunch of goblins. Yeah. And the second half was Witch King, uh, Shade, and two Barrow Whites. So this is an un- unusual... Uh, mixture that perhaps you might not always see, but that shade and the uh, the, the Barrow Whites and the Witch King is forming quite an interesting combination with the goblins. And um, what's the idea behind it? The uh, idea was to make all the olds because we have two strong leaders to kill enemy heroes, leaders, shade to lower your uh, dice, so you spend the mites, and it's pretty easy to kill with these guys. And Barrow White Witch King to knock you down, paralyze, transfix. That's pretty. And we have a lot of models mm. anyway. So uh, the idea was to make all the oaths and win all. Right. So you you bought this with a, with the purpose of winning, getting the oaths first of all, yes, uh, and then yes. then playing the game the second almost. Yes. yes. And and w- when you saw uh, what what army are. When you saw what army we'd brought, what did you think? Did you were you scared? Were you happy? Excited? You know what? What were you thinking? Mm, I think it's a good matchup because uh, 
you have uh, one combat hero and we have uh, three mages in and shade and plan is simple go to the center of the board pick up uh, treasure and uh, try to kill our uh, your roster uh, and, and to be fair, that is exactly what happened. It took quite a long time for you to get the uh, the prize, yeah. but eventually you got it. And just the weight of numbers. I mean, we only managed to kill two goblins yes. out of your whole army, which yes. which is insane. And that, yes, that, yes. Shade, that shade was just causing all sorts of problems for us. It was essential, basically. Without it, do you think you would have been able to win? Uh, I have uh, good rolls to kill. Kazad guards, I also must, uh, must roll six to kill those models. Uh, but we have a nice strategy. We have uh, Greenach, Goblin Captain, and Gollum, who under the shade uh, can win fight and uh, use might to increase uh, roll to wound. Yeah. yeah, so you took out three or four of those in the first couple of turns yeah, and then, yes. then we were really on the back foot from, from then on. Um, so uh, overall, I mean, a 12-0 victory uh, uh, to you, so well done, guys. Um, what, what, uh, so what does that bring you to in total for the, throughout the whole tournament? Is that three wins, three oves? Uh, two wins, 12-0 and 12. Right, OK, so you're, you're, you've done really well then. So is this the sort of army you're bringing tomorrow to uh, each of you for the main event or have you built this specifically for the doubles? Uh, we take, uh, as maybe I take uh, from my main army of Ardacon, the these guys. Uh, without Barrow Whites. And without Witch King. <laughs> right, OK, so fewer Barrow Whites, more, more goblins, fewer Barrow Whites, I guess, yeah. 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 Okay. And, and is the same with you? Uh, I play uh, Italian Rangers. Right. Legion Dalur Legion. Right. Okay. That's fantastic. Well, guys, it was a really tense, really tough game. Uh, I really appreciate your, your your game. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Uh, so, Jasmine, uh, uh, sort of a final uh, final talk over what happened there. I mean, it's fair to say we got panned, um, but it doesn't it doesn't feel like we played badly. Yeah, it's definitely a strong list, and it's one of those lists where you've got to take your advantages early because you need to get them to be broken because then their courage is going to hurt. And we lost the important roll-off with the prize, um, which was always going to be a big thing. So we didn't get that one, and from there, we couldn't really do too much. Yeah, and the, both uh, the Galadriel and Durin were paralysed um, once, Galadriel twice. Um, so the, the, we, we struggled in terms of uh, fending off the magic, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I knew that kind of when we saw it because they've got three casters in there and we've only got two heroes, so they're very, very easy targets. Um, so there's only a limited amount we can do with them. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and then, of course, uh, with the shade taking away the, the natural advantage of the fight value and the killing power of the dwarves frontline and the elves backline, we, we were just really on a hiding to nothing, I think, for most of that game. Although, I mean, there were a couple of chances to take down the Witch King, which we surrounded him a few times and only managed to take off two fake from about five guys surrounding him which was a bit annoying but you know the, these things happen but yeah ultimately they played it really well actually the, the, with the shade we, they, they finished off with using the last point of will on the shade right in the last turn so they, they planned it out quite well I think Oh yeah, definitely. Even though they got the roll off um, to get to the prize, they certainly built themselves a strong list, and um, yeah, they definitely played well. So. I mean, we were quietly confident. Uh, thinking of the, the tournament as a whole, we were quite confident. We were thinking this is a strong list, and we've come away with two losses. One of them 
12-0 and the other one was similar wasn't that 12-1 so I mean obviously our confidence was either misfounded or we we uh, were on the sort of the, the wrong side of fortune uh, do you think do you think it's a bad list still uh, or do you think it's a bad list or a good list I definitely still think it's a good list and don't forget we only played three games so that's not really a lot to go on in uh, in a team that you've actually not played before so no I think it was a good team but obviously everyone else here has brought good teams as well so yeah I think that that's true and and the first game I do feel we were on the bad side of luck whereas this time I think it was just a bad matchup for us we were going to struggle from the start um, although some dice obviously didn't go our way but you know uh, you take take them as you come really but yeah I think it's a good listen it's been it's been a pleasure playing with you oh I've absolutely enjoyed it so thanks for being my partner thank you so there you go. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I do still think that that army list that we came up with was pretty good. Um, if you want to check back to episode eight to find the full details, but the general gist was um, Durin plus a load of um, a load of what do they call them? Kingsguard, um, Hearthguard, but oh, Hearthguard, that's it, Hearthguard. Um, Durin a load of Hearthguard with a banner and um, Galadriel with a load of Galadrim court and a couple of uh, Galadrim on uh, horses and stuff like that. I still think that's a good army around this points level. I think it's around 800 or 700, something like that. I think it could be pretty good, but it's just... I don't know. I don't know whether we were just really unlucky and the matchups. I mean, the last game in particular was pretty tough. The first game I remember was being very unlucky against. But either way, I, I think I'm going to roll that, that army out again at some point. Um, uh, but obviously not as a doubles army, but as my own. So maybe I could tweak it a little bit and, and make it, you know, so it doesn't have to be exactly 400 for each contingent or 350 for each ten contingent or whatever it was. But either way, uh, another loss. Um, so that means I'm down to five losses and one win over the course of this uh, e-tournament of sorts. <laughs> Um, and I guess it's time to sort of reflect again on the state of affairs in the GBHL and um, tournaments and around the world. I know some places are starting to be able to see a bit more in the way of gaming action. That's not the case in the UK. If you're a, an international listener, um, I know you could be listening to this way many months down the line, but I, I, you know, I feel that people, most people tend to watch, uh, listen to the podcast pretty uh, quick afterwards, so it should still hopefully be relevant. Um, Games Workshop is opening up again and starting to produce stuff again, so that's cool. So all the new minis, uh, they include the AMR and uh, the Rohan Made to Order and stuff like that, they should all be back in action soon. I mean, I know the 40k um, crew are getting very excited about stuff. I don't know. I've got a little bit excited about the Necrons, I must say. I've been painting some Space Marines, and and my oldest army is Necrons. Haven't played 40k for ages, but I'm tempted. I'm tempted. I've I've put some paint on some some spacey folk for the first time in many years, mainly because I haven't had the the drive of tournaments. Um, I'm not that bothered about playing 40k, but I have always liked the models. But when you've got a a new tournament, um, new army even to paint for... um, uh, for 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 the for the podcast, I suppose, and for for going along to new tournaments and wanting to do something a bit different, for it, rather than just repeating the same kind of uh, army list and playing up against different people um, every time for the for the podcast, I've always wanted to paint something new, which means that I haven't painted as much anything else for a long time so um you know actually lockdown has has had some benefits in some ways that it's, it's cleansed the palate as it were um i'm still very much excited for when we can all get back together and and play games again um certainly in bigger groups i mean i mentioned in the last bit just before uh, the final ardicon game was that i mean i can't see ardicon happening 
it may well happen i don't know um i'm obviously not affiliated to articon in any way shape or form and uh, the latest information we had was that it you should act as if it's going and he um, james clark who we've spoken to on the podcast before has acting and planning as if it's going to happen i mean it might i guess but i think the international contingent is going to be significantly hampered by things like uh, you know uh, the travel restrictions that people uh, countries are putting on and quarantines and things like that i know current um, guidance is that anyone who arrives in the uk is going to have to quarantine for a couple of weeks um that's obviously not guaranteed to last forever but you know who knows by by august will we realistically be allowed to have a hall full of 200 people um I don't know. I don't know. I mean, based on my job working in the news business, uh, who knows? Um, we it, it seems seems unlikely that that things will change so dramatically. But then, who knows? Um, things things change. Things can change a lot in a couple of months' time. But I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so uh, so tournaments. Hopefully, they will be happening again. Lots of them are being rescheduled for sort of autumn. So I think autumn and in the run up to autumn and the Christmas period. Uh, there's probably going to be a lot of Entmoot podcasts because I'm, I've certainly got a lot of tournaments that I've booked in for that have been pushed back. So uh, it's really exciting that, uh, that definitely there's going to be a season uh, of of Entmoots that's going to be thick and fast. I, I'd imagine. Hopefully, um, I'm still trying to think of other ways that I can do release material that isn't like this uh, throughout lockdown. You know, it, it's not easy um, to do my format in uh, lockdown. And to be honest, people like the Green Dragon and um, you know everyone else kind of does the other stuff just much better than me i'm really enjoying them uh out the frying pan has been really great doing its fun kind of uh podcasts and and all the video content that i'm seeing out there the live streams have been you know <laughs> almost every night uh, you know with zorpa zorp and uh, battle streams in middle earth and all that sort of stuff i can't keep keep track of that so hopefully you're all finding content and i mentioned the green dragon earlier obviously which has been doing some excellent stuff i'll think of another way um if you have any ideas of what you'd like me to do uh, during lockdown down absolutely get in touch entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you have any ideas for how i could structure the podcast what you'd like to hear from me uh, i don't know if you want to hear anything at all or if you're quite happy for me doing these kind of things what do you think of this format with the um you know kind of reruns as it were i i, I like to think that it's it's fun hearing a hearing a, a an old interview especially if you don't some i know some people go back and listen to previous episodes and stuff but if you don't do that i guess it's guess it's a bit fun if to listen to an old one um but yeah get in touch entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you have any ideas i really really would appreciate any kind of uh, tips and tricks or, or what you'd like um, you know this podcast isn't for me it's for you so i uh, hope you're uh, i hope you're you know up for up for doing something or if you're enjoying it let me know and um, also uh, do vote on the poll on facebook it'll be up there for two weeks so if you're listening to this in two weeks time you'll be able to go and have a look at the poll see what uh, what happened um the poll is basically deciding between the two armies so a reminder of those two armies it was amder with 11 black dragons uh, on cataphracts uh, a cataphract with a wardrum a dragon knight with six black dragons and a banner uh, one of which had a banner uh, so that was one army or do you prefer amder with six black dragon cataphracts a dragon knight with six black dragon cataphracts and uh, a candish chariot king with a chariot and six candish horsemen what do you prefer there's 100 100 points between each of them the candish alliance 650 and the uh easterling army 550 so do you prefer a or b a for the easterlings and b for the candish alliance i'd really appreciate your opinion and let me know if both of them are complete and utter crap 
Thanks very much for listening to another Entmoot. I really do appreciate it. Uh, there should be another one in the next few weeks' time. All the best. Stay safe. Boo-ra-rum. Boo-ra-rum.